0: The Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Giannetti. Happy Thursday! It's been a minute. We've been uh, kind of digesting this week a little bit, and uh, obviously, many of you know we're Buffalo located here. So our thoughts are with Mar Hamlin, with the Buffalo Bills community. Uh, there's been a lot associated with that, right from the, uh, the semantics to the business side of things, to the rescheduling process, which I'll touch on a little bit here to just the, the physical part of this and the reminder of what football is. And certainly there's a lot of voices coming out in that regard. And look, I, I live through a different set of goggles with this stuff with all the sports, but you know, football is still a king from every aspect. And when things like this happen, and obviously this is to an an nth degree, this is extremely rare. And we're fortunate for that, but we we are, we are in this world right now. Um, A lot of people immediately turn to the money side of it. And I try not to because there's a much more human element to what happened on Monday. And I think thankfully that has come to the forefront with a lot of the reporting with a lot of the journalistic approaches, and, and that's a positive thing. Certainly sports needs more of that <laughs> and, and less business across the board. I've had a lot of people reach out to me for interview requests, for radio hits, etc., to discuss the financial impact of this. And I have really treaded lightly. And I'm not gonna do that here either. I am going to say this, I'm going to have a comment on this because a lot of what people were approaching me about was, isn't this the biggest reason that the NFL should have guaranteed contracts? And last night before I went to bed, I I was fully prepared to sit here today and hop on a soapbox and have a big thought out tangenetic conversation about how Yes, this is exactly where we should be headed. This sport with this kind of physicality should be the number one sport with guaranteed money for all things, all reasons. It makes the most money, it has the farthest reach in American sports, and it is the most physical. It is the most dangerous mainstream sport. I'm certainly not going to put it with some of the more non mainstream sports. But it is the most physically dangerous non non or excuse me mainstream sport we have in America. So why shouldn't these players be guaranteed their money? There's certainly an argument for it, but we don't have a precedent. None of the other sports do this. Demar Hammond is a sixth round pick in year two of a rookie contract. Okay, At, not even an NBA roster that carries 12, 12 people. And has two rounds of draft picks. There, there's not a dollar guaranteed on the majority of those second round picks. Some of the first round picks don't have fully guaranteed two-year contracts. They get two-year contracts with two-year club with two club options tacked onto it. That's the standard rookie contract in the NBA. And yeah, they make a bolo on money thereafter if they can play ball. There's certainly an argument to be made here. And I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna put my foot down either way on this one. All, all I want to remind people is. There's, there's protocol in place. There's insurance policies in place. Yeah. For the most part, you have to be a 10 year vet to get your retirement package in the NFL. And that should change because there, uh, there's just not a sport in this country right now where 10 years is a theoretical career. That's a long shot. So that number has to change in the NFL. Because as we're about to talk about with running backs, especially, you're lucky to get three or four years, let alone seven to 10. I'm confident that the Buffalo Bills organization is going to handle this from a business standpoint, certainly from a medical standpoint, certainly from a human standpoint, based on everything we've seen with Sean McDermott, which to me has been absolutely fantastic from making sure that game didn't continue to the reasons why that game wasn't going to continue to whatever he's going to say today in his first press conference but the Bills back to normal practices right now. Um, He's been outstanding as kind of the face of this. And thank thank goodness, because boy, have we seen the NFL blow some of these uh, situations in the past when they tried to handle it from their end. So I'm confident that the business side of this will benefit DeMar Hamlin if and when, and, let's just say when he pulls through this thing, wakes up to a $7 million foundation, which is just extraordinary. Talk about the human aspect of this. It's just extraordinary. But this, this alone cannot be the reason for hundreds of people to say these contracts have to be fully guaranteed. Now you want to talk about second contracts being fully guaranteed, right? The veteran contracts. I'm in. This isn't the time for that, but I'm in. All I want to say is I want I want to respond to people who have reached out to me and said, "Shouldn't this be the single entity that forces you and all the people that do this kind of work to say enough's enough? Guarantee these contracts. There just isn't a standard for it, <laughs> right? This guy was a sixth round pick. The second round picks don't even get guarantees in in year two for the most part. Okay." It's, it gets wishy-washy at pick 32. And I've been doing this for 15 years. I promise you. There's quarterbacks that get guarantees in the second round. There's long snappers that don't. It's just a fact of life. Hell, there's inside linebackers that don't. It's negotiable. Should the entire draft be fully guaranteed? I don't know. I mean, DeMar Hanlon is receiving a $110,000 signing bonus. Everything else on that is week to week under the rookie contract. It's how it's always been. And it's how the NBA operates. Unless you're a top star first round pick, it's how Major League Baseball operates, right? Anybody outside of basically round three in Major League Baseball is getting $150,000 by signing bonus. two fifty, maybe a little bit more if you didn't go the college route. It's just the fact of life. So I don't think this is that, that single situation that should have us all in an uproar again about guarantee contracts in the NFL. I'm not saying I'm not for it. I'm saying there's a different version of this conversation to be had. That's all I'm confident. And that's the reason I'm saying what I'm saying right now, I'm confident that the NFL and the bills organization is going to make sure that DeMar Hamlin is taken care of in that regard, whether it's financially, whether it's insurance wise, whatever needs to happen, there's going to be, an adult in the room at all times with this, with this situation. I'm confident of that. We will have this conversations later, maybe in the off season, but this isn't that moment. It's just not for a lot of reasons for the sensitivity part of it. And just for the actual scenario itself, you know, where he is in his career, where other players are in their careers, when they, when they deal with torn ACLs and whatnot in their rookie contracts, it It just it is what it is with this stuff, and it's all sports. It's not just the NFL. So obviously, our thoughts are with that entire situation, with the Hamlin family, with the Bills organization, and with the NFL community because everybody is reeling from this. Um, everybody who steps on that field now has to have this in the back of their mind, and that's terrible. And you know, the entire world was watching Monday night, so anybody who's now connected to this sport, whether you were or are now because of this incident, this is, this is now common knowledge. And it's awful, but it is a reality. And that's what I keep see, seeing and hearing from these former athletes, these former NFL players. This wasn't the elephant in the room. This is something that is constantly talked about, the danger, the risk. And certainly not only during the playing time, but what happens to us after the playing time, right? After our careers end. There's a lot to unpack there. And I am the wrong person to speak to any of that. All I can tell you is the questions that are being thrown at me right now about shouldn't this change the sport financially forever? My response right now is no. But changes certainly can be made, that's for sure. Let's bring in Cousin Dan and go around the sports world. All right, Dan, we're gonna bounce around a bit today. Get you out of your element a little bit. We do have some baseball to talk about, a little bit of football. Um, I'm going to start in the soccer world. Are you aware of this story in U.S. soccer? Have you at least seen the headline?
0: Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I, I, I know what's going on, and um, but,
1: yeah, dive into it a little bit. Yeah, so U.S. soccer, the men's team, the one that just was bounced out of the World Cup in the round of 16, um, not without drama. And this is pretty special stuff. So. So if you remember, in the middle of the World Cup, there was some public noise about how one of the better players, uh, Gio Reina, who you know is kind of a legend in the in the U.S. soccer world because of other family members that have played, was basically being benched, and there was a lot of question behind it. All the soccer sharps were were questioning this out loud, basically saying, "This guy's good enough to be a starter in this roster right now. What the hell is going on?" And and head coach Greg Berhalter basically came out and said, "This guy's." Just puffing through it. His trainings are shit. He's uh he's been immature at times. He's just kind of not putting in the effort. And just put him on public blast and on world blast. He did this from the World Cup, right? It wasn't like he did this from Detroit and Michigan during a friendly. He did this during the World Cup when, you know, on the international stage. Uh so it couldn't have been a bigger public shaming for a for a player from a coach on a current roster. So fast forward a couple of weeks and now we find out that a greg berhalter has a domestic violence incident in its past it's 30 years ago it was with his then girlfriend who is his now wife i'm not going to get into the details you can certainly find that on other networks but he admits to it and then we find out that the reason this is coming out is because Gio reina's mother danielle Reina, Basically called up U.S. Soccer and said, hey, I know about this thing, and I want you to know about it, too, and you can do whatever you want with it. So there was tattletaling. There was blackmail. There was – I mean, this is a reality show now. Um, Do you have any thoughts before I go off for 30 seconds on this? Uh,
0: Not really. It's kind of – I mean, now looking back on it, I mean, seeing how the World Cup stuff played out, like – where they yeah. kind of needed a like, I I remember Giorenia. It, it was sort of surprising that he didn't get any playing time until like the final match. People were wondering what was going on. Berghalter got, you know, sort of maybe got in front of it or phrased it his way. There were so the whole situation is kind of jacked up. So yeah, I want to I kind of want to hear your thoughts on it, but I, I do know there's a lot of um I, I, there there's probably some blame to go around on all sides here, right? From the the coach from the team, from the player and his family as well. So
1: yeah, I want to crush the coach. And, you know, you can crush him for the domestic violence incident. That's certainly worthy. Um, uh, You know, that's not for me to do. I don't have the details in front of me. But he admits to something that went wrong. So shame on him for that. Shame on him for how he handled this. I mean, are you kidding me? You know, and I'm not even gonna get into the benching part of it, whether that was built into this whether there was knowledge that this information was out there and was was trying to be used against him i don't even know the timeline of that and i'm not going to read about it either i'm I'm not going to go down it all i know is this dude got in front of a microphone during the world cup and and put one of his players on absolute blast and that's total bullshit. like (laughs) that is something that should never happen you you handle your business inside the locker room inside the lines of the soccer pitch you do whatever you got to do to make sure that you can you hold accountability to me this is a guy who didn't feel confident handling his own business and managing this team. He, This is fireable. The domestic violence part of it is certainly fireable. But I think the way he handled this one-player interaction is also fireable. Because to me, it proves that he doesn't know how to handle this stuff without needing the help of Twitter, without needing the help of the rest of the world to validate his decisions with his roster. I, I think it's total BS. I think it's lame. I think it's weak. And for a lot of reasons, he's probably not going to be the head coach of this team going forward, which is a shame because there were a lot of good things that came out of that World Cup. And now we have to deal with this. And now he has to deal with this. So uh, I'm looking at this from and please bear with me. I am a youth soccer coach. Right. But I'm looking at this just from my own element, that little small little world, that little little relationship I can have. I can't even imagine doing this. I can't even imagine going to a player's parent and saying, hey. Your kids being an asshole, (laughs) you know what I mean? And I'm not going to play her next game because of it. You just don't do that. Deal with stuff internally, have enough confidence in your abilities to handle things from a, a man to man relationship to handle this internally and not have to go in front of a microphone and say it. So I honestly, the reality show that that's now forthcoming is well deserved because he put himself in this position in a couple of instances. So if you got anything else, we'll move on.
0: No, not really. I mean, it, it all sort of does. You know, it's clear in hindsight now. Um, you know, the, like I said, you know, hinted at before. Some of there were a lot of questions about how the roster was being handled from mm-hmm. the start, and then when things started, you know, the slow drift starts to trickle out. And Burke Alter says we voted on it and it was or there's rumblings that they voted on it. It was a very close vote. And then players are coming out saying that's not what happened. This was resolved before we even left for the World Cup. So the whole situation reeks. He had a vendetta, man.
1: He had a vendetta. And by the way, it hurt the team because the sub that went in that wasn't Gio hurt the team in at least two of those games. Right. And the announcers were pretty the, the announcers were pretty forthcoming about it. Why is this guy being subbed in? That's what, that's what you want to hear during the middle of a world cup, right? Um, right. <laughs> all right. Let's get off our soccer box here. Let's talk some baseball. We did have some big money in baseball yesterday. Uh, it's Raphael Devers at 11 years, three hundred thirty one million. Just initially, where are you with that? Did you think this was coming this off season? Well,
0: I I think uh, the, the writing on the wall, a lot of us didn't think it was headed this direction. Yeah. I mean, just trending back to the Mookie Beck situation, now the Xander Bogart situation, um, sort of how they have tiptoed into this situation, too. So, um, and then they announced the one year arbitration deal yesterday or two days ago. Um, right their their owner john henry gets booed at the winter classic in front of um in his hometown and basically probably says go and get this deal done so um i was a little bit surprised that it happened um specifically like right after they announced the arbitration stuff but um i mean we we've been sort of expecting, you know, we've had him on our short list for, um, you know, arbitration, major extensions here for a while. So from that front, I don't think either of us are surprised, but, um, just taking it all in, um, maybe the timing is a little bit off, right?
1: Yeah. I'll get to that in a second. Cause I do have a timing problem as well. It's just, just some semantics to get out of the way. It's the sixth largest total contract in major league baseball history. Um, It's the 18th contract with a 30 million plus AAV in the history of Major League Baseball. It's it's a big boy deal. It's the ninth. He's the ninth highest average paid position player in the game right now. Somehow he's the third highest paid third baseman with this deal because I mean, obviously Aaron ahead of him, but somehow Anthony Rendon is too for like four or five more years. God bless you, Angels. Uh, He's the highest average paid Red Sox player. He will be significantly next year when Chris Sale falls off this roster. It means that the uh, projected CBT payroll for Boston is now about 220. So they're getting there. They're getting into tax consideration at least, right? They're, they're a couple of decent signings away from that 233. I don't know that they get there. They probably won't get there based on how things have gone. Um, they definitely do not want, we, they want to be a tax paying team and be fourth in the, in the American League East, which is probably where most people project them right now. You mentioned the timing. Um, they did lose Xander Bogarts. They did lose Nate Evaldi. They did let JD Martinez walk. They, In fact, they've let six major league rostered players from last year walk. And they brought in five. And I don't think any of the five are turning heads right now. You know, Kenley Jansen's kind of a boomer bust. He had a nice year with Atlanta last year. He gave him a major league, you know, two years at 16 million. He's going to be the, I assume, the closer, though there's other options on this roster. And then you brought in some kind of role players, some veteran experience players, Chris Martin, Justin Turner, Corey Kluber. You know, those are end of free agent signings for most franchises. And yet they are the corner piece signings for this franchise in this free agency. Is this team, does this team have a path over the next three, five, three to five years to justify this Devers contract, Dan? Is he, is he the player to sign to build around? which clearly this contract says he has to be. And is this organization set up to build quickly with this deal now in place? Yeah.
0: So if they're committing major money, like they are, I think this is one of the guys that you should at least feel confident doing it with. Um, Like just to, kind of give some background here. He Devers broke into the league very young. He was very, very rough at third base. Some people even question whether he would stick there. He's made tremendous strides there. Um, it's still a little bit up and down at times, but like there should be almost no doubt. He's going to stick there long-term now on, on the other side of things, his offensive production is, you know, up there with anyone in the league and maybe one of the top third basemen in the league. So, um, not to mention, he's 26 years old right now, and to put right. it into context, he's he's just over a year older than Jeremy Pena, who was a rookie with the Astros late, last year, as everybody knows, right? So feels like Rafael Devers has been around forever, which he sort of has, but mm-hmm. I mean, the production, it has been there to warrant this contract. He's still at a prime age. He doesn't have a ton of positional concerns. Like, his profile is what it is at this point. Um, you, you sort of know what you're gonna get now. Now, the one main thing is his his splits last year, first half, second half, were pretty brutal. He he was mm-hmm. on fire the first half, had a pretty down second half. Um, some circles I listen to seem to think he's having issues like hitting fastballs up in the zone. Now, not to get into like the nitty gritty of you know breaking down baseball, but it, just to paint a broad stroke people think he he may be getting figured out and he needs to make more adjustments. So now that's not to say this is a bad contract, just trying to poke potential holes in his profile. If, um, if there are any, but beyond that though, like to answer your question directly from a building context, I have no issue. If this is the guy that they wanted to build around, like I said, he's 26. If they have, I don't think, the Kenley, like, uh, despite the Kenley Jansen signing and some other things, like, I don't really think they're set up to win in this next two to three year window, Um, no. but he certainly could be a value, uh, a valuable player uh, towards the bat, the middle of this contract, in theory, when they hope to, to, to be contenders again. That's... So in the short term, no. In the long term, I think it has, it's totally fine. And you sort of had to sign this guy long-term based on what's been going on in that organization
1: yeah that's exactly how i read this this is going to look like a terrible contract for three years probably minimum three years only because it's going to be a 30 million dollar per year salary with like like I'm, i'm not joking probably fourth in the division maybe fifth maybe fifth in the division that's what this roster looks like to me right now dan and i'll start with the starting rotation Chris Sale, Corey Kluber, Nick Pavetta, James Paxton, Garrett Wicklock. Could there be any more question marks in a starting five in Major League Baseball right now? Starting with Chris Sale? I mean, is Chris Sale going to last a month? I don't think so. Corey Kluber is way on the backside of things, as you know damn well. James Paxton's coming off massive injury. <laughs> you know, massive injury. His contract is basically in year two of a two-year deal where year one was thrown out. So I, I just don't you're right. This was a save face signing as much as it was at some point in time, this is going to work out for us. I think both those things can be true. But if you let this guy walk, whether it's free agency, or you trade him now, or you trade him at the deadline, you talk about getting booed at a hockey game, they're going to get run out of town in Boston, right? So this is not a team that's ready. Uh, This is not a team that's close, if anything. And it's funny, because We've mentioned them before, and we've talked about the relationship. The Phillies are the model for them to follow from here out, which is ironic because the, the GM slash president of operations in Philadelphia is Dave Dombrowski, who was the longtime savior in Boston. That's the, that's the path. When they signed Bryce Harper, they weren't ready for Bryce Harper. And they've spent three off seasons, as we have noted in the last episode, kind of putting this puzzle together and they figured it out. And I think they're one of the top four or five rosters in all of baseball right now. So there's hope that Boston can do that, but Boston needs to spend some money. This is a good start. Trevor story was a decent signing last year, and obviously they needed it because they let Xander Bogarts walk out the door today, but they've got hundreds of millions of dollars in front of them to continue this process. This this is just step one, in my opinion. And it's- whether, whether you love this player or not, you're going to have to add three or four more of these guys, not $300 million contracts necessarily, but it's certainly when it comes to the rotation, you're going to have to have a mixture of high price trade acquisitions and hopefully some slam dunk, you know, rookie prospects that grow into this role over the next three to five years to justify this money. Right.
0: Yeah, for sure. I really like your point too, because I think it gets lost in the shuffle a lot that, and, and I'm guilty of it too. I do it constantly. I've done it multiple times this off season. A team is not, made or rebuilt in one off season. And sometimes I minimize thinking like individual moves. Like what is this team doing? Like for instance, the
1: Rangers last year, everybody, because because it was such a big off season, you know, and you just want to expect the best out of them. It wasn't feasible for them to win last year. Right.
0: Right. Or remake. They had so much to do that. You can't do it in one off season. So we're sitting here saying you paid too much for Corey Seager. You paid too much for Marcus Simeon. Is John Gray really an ace? Well, now it, like and so I was guilty even at the beginning of this year they signed the first move anyone makes basically is signing Jake Odorizzi and I'm like this is the guy this is the guy that yeah. you wanted to add to that group now the Rangers have had they maybe one of my favorite off seasons in context I mean you have six maybe seven starting pitchers yeah. um you have a good young lineup so like now in context when I step back you know, piece by piece, uh, we should really slow play. Like at least I should slow play judgment a little bit and and uh, see where things go from here. I think our pessimism around Boston is just how they've operated to this point. Um, that it's sort of hard to really think that they're just going to
1: like well, flip let's a switch. Be more all. specific about it, then. This could have been the third signing. Right. right. This right. this could have been the third or fourth signing. This is a roster that could have Mookie Betts. Uh, Trevor Story, Xander Bogarts, and Rafael Devers, all under massive, huge elite contracts. And it could be an absolute monstrous top four or five of the lineup right now. Now, I know, I know none of those guys pitch, and I don't know that, that, that the pitching problem would have been fixed because there hasn't been a solid pitcher running through that, that, that rotation in a long time. Let's be perfectly frank about that. But you could have had, and maybe, and maybe what they didn't want to be, Dan, is the, is the LA Angels. Maybe they looked at those guys and said those guys are great and those guys win ball games but we we don't have the pitching to justify paying a billion dollars to those four players who can't get on a mound and throw, you know, and strike guys out for us. So maybe there is some balance to it and I liked how you're sort of trying to see the positives and a lot of negatives that have come out of Boston for 3-4 years. But I think the best way to say it is how we started this conversation, which is all right, this is this is foot in the ground number 1. Now you got to spend three off seasons doing more work, because if you don't, if you just try to make this one big contract and then money ball the crap out of the 15 of the roster spots that are are important to you, it's not going to work in this day and age. It just doesn't work. You're not going to get to the finish line doing that right now. You've got to continue to spend money
0: and and if we get to next offseason and they're they're punting again or missing out on every big name, you know, cuz yep. they don't want to outbid or go over their their number, then I, me and you will be the first ones on here crushing them for that because they didn't follow up what we thought were directionally correct moves this year um yep. with with impact moves next year, right? So that, that's what it comes down to. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say like Let's let's be honest on another front, too. They have a very, very tough uphill climb in that division. I mean, everybody
1: and they know it's good
0: or feasible or getting better like the Orioles. So, yeah, they got yeah. to They got to hang. I think they will um, get it together going forward. But in the same breath, that doesn't you know, that doesn't solve Boston Red Sox fans seeing superstars walk out of town, um, you know, outside of this occasion. So.
1: Last point real quick and then we'll move to Korea, and I'll get you out of here, Dan. Um, there's a new millionaire's tax in Boston that was literally just announced uh, at the start of the new year. It is exactly what you think it is. Every, every, million, every million you make is now taxed at a higher tax rate in the city of Boston specifically. Uh, the fact that this deal was announced on January 4th or 5th, whenever, whenever it's finalized here, it cost them $760,000, Devers because of the signing bonus, because a $20 million signing bonus, you know, now equates to that money lost. Whereas December 31st, that's his money. So just just an important kind of notable point out there that some of these cities are starting to step up their game a little bit with this financial stuff. And that's a specific example. Let's flip to the Mets, speaking of money right, and finance. Go ahead.
0: Just, just to point that out for the listeners, the, the millionaire's tax, what we're what we're referencing is the, the city of Boston. Uh, somebody local is probably gonna butcher or kill me for this explanation, but the current tax on million or anyone making over a million is 4%, that is gonna increase by five. Sorry, mm-hmm. it was 5%. It's gonna increase an additional 4% to a total of 9%. So okay. basically millionaires taxes almost doubled overnight which is what mike's
1: trying to lay out with that yeah, it's almost so, a 10 percent takedown now yep yeah go ahead <clears throat> all right let's switch to the mets uh there's not really new news but no news is kind of all the news because this Korea situation is not going away uh i you and i talked about this the second that it was announced that this is not finalized until it's finalized and it doesn't look like it's going to be finalized not, at least not at 12 years 315 million dollars um it certainly sounds like there's going to be a, a converted, finalized deal. I do think it stays in New York. Do you agree? Does Correa is going to be a Met at some point in time here, right, Dan? By based on everything you're reading and hearing,
0: yeah, I think things. I, I think things would have to go very south at this point. Like, like yeah,
1: the well, fact do, that the Mets have a big advantage right now. This is like the 19th piece to the puzzle, right? This isn't Raphael Devers where. The Mets absolutely need to have Carlos Correa. If anything, Carlos Correa wants to be a Met because of what, what the Mets have to offer around Carlos Correa. So, you know, maybe the Royals could offer a bigger package right now and, and with less fi- you know, injury guarantee built in. But he wants to play for the Mets, is my guess. So so that's why this is taking so long. Scott Boris isn't just giving up on this situation because Carlos Correa is saying, No, no, I want to be here. Let's make this work. That's why this is taking three weeks. So um, I've got a couple ideas here. I, I just want your general thoughts on, on where you think things are headed. And then I'm going to lay out a specific uh, assessment based on what I've seen in other sports, uh, having followed this for a, a long time now and and where I think baseball could get better with this kind of stuff. But w- where do you stand on this, Dan? Where do you think this finishes up?
0: Yeah, I think the fact that they didn't bolt and start negotiating immediately or try with other teams, I think, I think both intent try and work this out for him to stay in New York. I mean, what was it a yesterday, two days ago, he posted a picture, an Instagram picture of him and his kid with the, I love New York shirt on. So like, I don't think this is breaking down at any, it in any way. And I think if it was going to break down, it would have happened already. And they would have been, they would have been kicking tires elsewhere. So, um, do you think it's a
1: shorter deal? Do you think it's a, it's a less total value deal? Do you think it's just, it's 12 for 315, but there's significant riders in place. Where do you think this ends up in your mind?
0: Yeah, so I mean, a, like only a week or two ago, we're sitting here talking about how on the on the open market, Correa is a 40 million, you know, his yeah. actual value on the open market is 40 mil all day. I don't think that changes overnight. I do think both sides need to build into s- some protections into the contract now. um, we, have mm-hmm. s- we, we spoke before about how Scott Boris is known to not, renegotiate on um on on physicals um which is from a player so that's probably very smart yeah so um this is now though this is a second team with major um concerns about mm-hmm. his his physical and like how that's how that specific injury is going to age over the next whatever 10 plus years now so it sounds to me Um, the, the kind of the smartest comp that I've heard is the JD Martinez contract from a couple years ago where I believe it was his ankle or his knee. There were some major concerns, um, that came up in the, in the physicals on that contract and the way around it was they simply built in options after, uh, excuse me, opt-outs after, um, almost every season just to protect um you know the team against anything you know like long-term struggles but still keep the player in the fold if he's healthy which i if if carlos correa is five seven ten years from now is still healthy you probably still want him on your team this is if that ankle that that fibula injury um Mm -hmm. pops up and is like a career ender then you obviously want some protection against that so
1: so here's what i've laid out and it's a little bit more convoluted than than just opt-outs uh i I just wonder if Scott Boris gets there, you know, I wonder if Scott Boris actually pens a contract that allows a team to cut a contract Mm -hmm. off in half or something like that. But he might have to, because there might not be another 10 year offer out there right now for Korea that he actually wants to to take on. So, um, mine's a little bit more basketball enhanced. So you kind of said exactly how I laid this out, which is I'd probably give him five years of absolute autonomy. You know, And even if those five years are significant, let's say, so let's say there's a massive signing bonus built into this thing, right? 50 million plus Mookie Betts type signing bonus built into this thing it, it, as a way of saying, we, we, we love paying you right now. We got no problem paying you right now. It's not the now that we're worried about. It's six, seven years down the road that we're concerned things are going are to weaken up quite a bit in, in that leg. Um, so get the money out of the way now, pay him handsomely for five years. 25 a year base salary, whatever it's going to be. Put it out there like five for 175 right. through the 2027 season and then start to get fancy. And, and what I mean is if it's a $25 million salary in 2027, maybe 2028 is now 12 and a half or 13, half of that on a base salary level. And the rest is, is an active roster bonus. And that roster bonus can be tiered based on days that are missed Days that he spends on the injured list for this specific injury. So, if that fibula gives out at any point in time and he misses 20 days, he's only getting 80% of that bonus that year. If he misses 50 days, 60 days, he's getting half the bonus. If he misses over 100 days, he's not getting that bonus at all and his compensation will be 12 million. It's a pretty common situation. We see it in per game active bonuses in football, we've seen it in basketball with. Um, either a loss of guarantees or flat out just cash not paid because of days missed. Um, Baseball doesn't really do this, Dan. They have active, active roster bonus days. So like if you're active for a hundred days, you'll get this bonus. If you're active for 45 days, you'll get this bonus, but nothing this specific to where it's tiered to where there's a bonus available, but you only make half of it or a quarter of it. I think there's a, there's a, there's a logical place for this to happen right now. And whereas he can still make 25, 30 million a year after, you know, in year six and seven and eight and nine and 10, but he might not. And that might not has to do specifically with this injury, nothing else. If he breaks his arm, he's going to get paid. If he, you know what I mean? If he has a concussion, he's going to get paid. Um, but this specific injury, I think you can put in days active bonuses on it and why wouldn't everybody be happy with that? That's just the, that's just the reality of his career now. I mean, nobody's going to look at that physical and say, oh, we don't see it that way. Clearly, there there is significant weakness in that leg. So let's get creative. Let's allow him to be paid $300 million if he's healthy for 10 years or 12 years. And if he's not, let's give him 250 or 225 and let the Mets have a little bit less to deal with if his career's over, if he's on the injured list constantly, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's a path forward in that regard, but you're probably right. It's probably just going to be let's just build in four opt-outs after 2027 and see what happens but who knows it's uh, it's getting somewhere we know that
0: and from the player perspective like as you sort of laid out there he he is a a year ago at this time we were talking about him as a guy who would constantly want to get back into the market all of this shoots that down now like this is not a guy that that physical is going to get better year after year so he should try and get the biggest, longest contract, even if protections are built into that, it's my opinion he should find the biggest, longest contract because that's not going to go away. by the
1: way, my, my version of that is that. It, it's still a 10-, 12-year contract. For sure. It just yep. might be half half salary for five years, you know? Well, right. And and
0: what I'm saying is that he's not – if he takes that contract and it turns out to only be five years, well, it, he didn't leave a bunch of money on the table because right. – That that he he wasn't going to get back into the market five years from now and get another two hundred million dollar deal if if there's motivation for both sides to want to get out of the contract he signs now if it it, you know for five years so uh, one other point underrated point I just wanted to more interesting point I wanted to bring up on this the Twins Hmm. signed him to that contract last year right it came out that they were very caught off guard when the Giants brought up issues with with the physical right well then it comes out that the twins only went back so far in his physicals because the deal was a shorter term deal and they didn't need to necessarily loop in the risk factor for 10 11 12 years down the line which i find very very interesting now would would this have all played out differently if correa took a Trevor Bauer route and just chased three, four-year contracts, two-year contracts at 120 right. mil, 100 mil, whatever it might be. Um, I mean, it's a hypothetical. We'll never know the right answer. I, this is sort of unprecedented that, like, I don't think uh, an agent would pr- – try to deceive the market and say, well, we know there's some underlying issues here. We want to hide those. So we're only going to, you know, we're only going to search for short-term high AV deals. But it it does not make me at least question, like, could this, would this have all been avoided if he just played like, out? It makes you know, me question the twin. Out? Well, like three for I,
1: 105 doesn't make you look at every medical possible? And what, do you yeah, what but, are you doing?
0: <laughs> but sort of to our point is we're not worried about the five-year window. Like if, i mean i your point of view is valid from what i've read it sounds like that's not like a totally uncommon practice that like maybe the giants would have only did that if it was a short-term contract that that they looked deeper into it because it was a longer-term contract and that injury was in 2014 if you're extending him into 2030 what was it 2034 2033 something like that um you're now looking at a 20, almost 25 year window that you're hoping that injury, you know, stays healthy rather than a shorter term year to year contract that the twins were involved in. But so I mean, yeah, maybe there, there are processes. Scott
1: Boris there. looked at the twins and said, this is a one year deal and we all know it. Yeah. Yeah. For let's sure. be honest. For sure. I mean, we knew what that was last year. It was getting out of the qualifying offer. It was getting a high AAV It was, it was resetting his market and his value and, and trying to go for something way bigger. So that's where we are. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to fall apart. I do think the Mets are the right team for it, and uh, I'm excited yeah. to see how it all how it works out. And by the way, I'm excited to see from a nerdiness standpoint how the contract unfolds because this could be a trendsetter and, and a positive trendsetter. We don't want we don't want garbage salaries being paid to to players who can't play. We just don't want that. I want guys to get paid. I want teams to have a fair shot at things, though. This is it should work both ways for the league to be healthy. So I'm excited to see where this ends up. All right, man, I'm going to talk some football without you, but uh, we'll have you back soon to talk some. How about some future baseball stuff? Maybe some uh, some CBT stuff, some some future bets, some division winners, all that stuff's coming up here. It's January, man.
0: Yeah, we have uh, next Friday. um, as some of you might know, is the deadline for salary arbitration figures to be exchanged. So that will um, create some stuff. Then we have the international free agency opening up shortly after that. So yeah, plenty to talk about, uh, tons of data. We're trying to, um, clean up on the site. Uh, so you guys can, so people can play around with that data. So
1: good stuff, man. We'll talk soon.
0: Sounds good, Mike. Thanks.
1: All right. I promised a little bit more NFL. Let's talk some running backs. The second edition to our 2023 NFL offseason financial series is now live on spot It is the running back series featuring Full comprehensive breakdowns of the running back group for every NFL team, starting from the Cardinals all the way down to the commanders. As you might imagine, (laughs) there's a lot of question marks. As the long-term stability of this running back contract has quickly diminished, there are probably a half a dozen teams that have a clear-cut, locked-in-place number one running back under contract for next season from a veteran perspective right so nick chubb comes to mind christian mccaffrey i I guess we have to say comes to mind even though he has three non-guaranteed years left on his deal who knows what the 49ers will do with that the majority of these teams if they have a a running back in tow it's on a rookie deal and that's going to be life in the nfl for a long time maybe forever outside of a massive change to the structure of the Salary cap to the structure of the rookie wage scale, which that seems completely far fetched to me right now. So, I've gone through every single situation. Obviously, we are we are left with quite a list of available, really starting running backs hitting the open market. And uh is that good news? Bad news? I hope it's good. Obviously, that was good news last year for the wide receiver position, where everybody got a piece of the pie. Everybody. Even Deontay Johnson late in the game, maybe not as much as we expected, but even a bad Pittsburgh offense thought it was worthy to keep that guy around for two years. So I hope that's the case. Um, You want to talk about musical chairs and a carousel. I have a feeling what we're about to see with this position this offseason is going to be a ton of fun to the point of where we may even build a little application. And put out a little contest and say, you know, where's Devin Singletary going to end up, and where's uh, Cordero Patterson, and where's the works? You know, David Montgomery, Kareem Hunt, Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard. There's a massive list. It's about twelve deep. And uh, and look, I'm not even really mentioning. I, I said a few there, but I'm not really mentioning the players who might get released out of current contracts for cap purposes or for positional purposes, there's plenty of those as well. So it's a a strong year from a name standpoint. Will that convert to a strong year for financials? Probably not. You know, supply and demand, the position itself, the structure of how we have, I don't know, six quarterbacks that could need new contracts, three or four on the rookie wage scale with Burrow and Herbert and Hertz, um, I mentioned Kirk Cousins last week. I think he gets redone. And then a couple of free agents, right? I mean, Garoppolo is going to get something. Daniel Jones is going to get something. Geno Smith's going to get something. And we can say the Caps jump into 225, and that's great news for everybody, but we know where this lives. It's a quarterback league. And uh, if you don't have a quarterback and you need a veteran quarterback and you need to put a veteran price on that quarterback, that's not going to trickle down to much more for the other positions now your houston's your carolinas your atlanta's your new orleans the you know your uh chicago's teams that are going to have bona fide rookie deals for quarterbacks they should be looking at these players they should be looking at veteran running backs in the five to seven million range you know the barclays of the world are going 12 plus derrick henry might get 12 plus again Josh Jacobs should get 12-plus. But your Miles Sanders, you know, your Montgomerys, talking five to seven, maybe maximum nine million for a bona fide weapon in this league. Guys who can catch the ball, guys who can run three downs. And uh, there are certain teams out there that the price is right, the timing is right, the quarterback cost is right to fit in a situation where you should be looking to bring in talent with experience on a one to two year basis. That's going to be the long and short of this. Unfortunately, while the names can jump off the page at times, the money doesn't back it up every time. So we'll see if it gets there. Like I said, there's probably three or four names here who get 10 million plus per year on a couple of years guaranteed, but nothing's going to be more than that. Unfortunately, I don't know that we see anybody Surpass Christian McCaffrey's sixteen million mark, even even Barkley, even Jacobs, despite outstanding years there. Uh, it's just not, it's not in the plans for a lot of these front offices, unfortunately. Even though the cap is rising, the revenue is rising, unfortunately, so are quarterback contracts, and that's the long and short. So bets live on spottrat If you want to dive deep into running backs wide receivers are next and uh, it is not 2022. It is 2023. So I'm going to have to work hard to pull out some names and some situations with the wide receiver position because most of that work got done last year. It's a thin group. Uh, Certainly we're going to see some teams be in trade conversations, be in restructure conversations, maybe even outright releases with a couple of names. Um, But for the most part, that position got taken care of last year. And it's a much, much weaker group this year. But doesn't mean I'm not going to do the piece. That'll be next on spotrate.com. But please check out the running back piece and the quarterback piece from last week, of course, as we continue our NFL offseason finances. My thanks to Cousin Dan. Always good to talk baseball with him. We have some interesting things coming our way. As he kind of mentioned, next week is the arbitration filing deadline. Then we start talking about he said, she said prices. And we get to some of those bigger lock-ins as we approach February spring training finalized rosters opening day rep payrolls and some real real baseball action good to have that back in the conversation without question and the nfl playoffs are here after uh whatever happens in week 18 possibly week 19 for buffalo and cincinnati no confirmation yet on that on that situation but the playoffs are here we'll do our, our year recap you know what happened to the top paid players what happened to the top spending teams which teams actually got to the finish line some betting information in terms of how to get ourselves to the super bowl and maybe into the futures for 2023 and we'll uh we'll keep up with the rat race for scott allen and dan solman my name is mike Janini. thanks for listening to this edition of the spot trade podcast